0: Blog Talk Radio
1: table on your host Jonathan Moody. Um, I have not done this show in a while now, So, um, but we are bringing it back. Uh, this is Frights the Roundtable 2.0, as uh, was uh, called and nicknamed, um, and now is the actual the name of the show by uh, my new co-host, uh, Megan Deanna-Smith. How are you doing, Megan? Woo! The crowd
0: goes wild! <laughs> yes. I'm doing good, Jonathan. Thanks so much for bringing me onto this project.
1: Yeah, um, thank you so much. I know uh, a lot's going on with you right now. So, um, you know, I'm very happy that you were able to, to come on the show. And uh, once, once again, I don't think I actually said this on the air or anything. So congratulations on your engagement.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'm recently engaged. And um, also, too, we were playing that music. We, that's our theme song for the podcast and i'm like so ready for fall horror movies and it's it's a really exciting time
1: <laughs> definitely and we have our special guest tonight um unfortunately one of the guests hasn't come on yet so i don't know if he's going to be uh coming on but uh we've got Jason Horton here how are you doing Jason
2: uh very good thanks for having me
1: yeah no thanks problem for doing- um, <laughs> go ahead megan
0: Well, I was going to say thanks for doing this. Before we get started, though, I want to ask you, Jason, um, if we should call you Jay or Jason, because when you go to look you up on Amazon Prime, which you should all watch his movie for free on Amazon Prime right now, the campus, um, it doesn't say it's by Jason. It says by Jay Horton. So which one do you prefer?
2: Um, Yeah, professionally, I go by Jay Horton. Um, For uh, personal, just call me Jason.
0: Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a reason why you uh, uh
2: Yeah, um, a few years ago, well, uh, I was uh, making movies here in LA under the name Jason Horton, and there's a YouTube comedian here uh, named Jason Horton. And every single time I'd do a casting notice, like I'd get a call from him saying he was getting like inundated with calls from actors thinking it was him making the movie, and then <laughs> vice versa, vice versa. So eventually. Like you know, we we both had YouTube channels, so we were like, you know, the first person with a video to hit uh, 50,000 views will the the one who doesn't hit it first will have to change their name. So he he beat me by like a week. So he changed, oh, no. I changed I changed my name.
1: <laughs> it was only a, <laughs> a week.
2: week. Yeah, oh, uh, like like a week or two. Like I, I forget it was it, it seemed like a week. Maybe it was a month. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, Jay Horton sounds like a really prestigious filmmaker, so I think you got the better end of the deal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually like it. And also, it also came at a point in my career where I was working for a company and I was directing a lot of movies for them that they weren't necessarily in the genres I wanted to work in. And so when I made the switch, you know, I kind of went back to horror and then I got back to Jay Horton. So, like, I have a lot of other movies I directed under Jason and I kind of changed over.
1: Awesome. Well, um, and and let me let me go into this because um, we we talked about the campus, which okay. is uh, on Amazon Prime. But you have a lot of movies on Amazon Prime, as I've seen. Yeah. Um, uh Can you tell us like how you started to kind of get a lot of your films on Amazon Prime?
2: Sure. Well, um, so I've been directing movies since like 2005. So I've made a lot, and. I produced on my own maybe five or six of those. And, like, you know, your license with distributors usually lasts anywhere from five to seven years. So, you know, the as those licenses were expiring, I was getting the rights back on these movies. And it just so happened to coincide with the creation of CreateSpace and then Amazon Video Direct, which was two ways that, you know, pretty much any filmmaker could put their movies up on Amazon. So these movies that had already pretty much ran their life cycle, I'm putting them back up on Amazon, and now they're having kind of a resurgence, you know, making, you know, I probably made more money off Amazon Prime on them than I did some of them in their initial runs.
0: Well, so as an actor, too, um, one of my horror films that I was in from Jennifer is on Amazon Prime, also for free, just like your um, campus. And I think mm-hmm. it's huge that these movies are for free because when it comes to indie horror and you know we don't have necessarily huge names in our movies people are more, oh, yeah. more likely to take a chance on something that's free um yeah. and then they get hooked right because we have dope content um but I love that yours is for free right now because I think people will take a chance that they might not have if you have to pay like you know 6.99 for a rental you know
2: Oh, yeah, and I can tell you, when we, we released uh, the campus on Amazon back in it was like February, I guess, January, February, and for the first 30 days, we did rental, and we did well, but the the sheer number of views, once we put it on the prime, just skyrocketed. You know, we went from, you know, I think we were streaming something like uh, 100,000 minutes uh, a week. When we were doing rentals, and which is good, but you know, but not not like crazy good. But then when we moved over to Prime, you know, I was doing almost a million a month.
0: Oh, um, what? Yeah. That's amazing.
2: A, a million minutes, not you know, not views, but
0: yeah. I know. Well. Yeah. They don't need to know that. You could just say a million. We're... <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'll just say, yeah. Was, you know, we we did a million, you know, and then. <laughs> Now, when I first started putting movies up on Prime, which was like when Amazon Video Direct's been around now for two, is it two years? I think two years, maybe maybe three. But anyway, when it first went on, the Amazon was paying fifteen cents a minute, you know, just flat, all the way across the board. Now they have this tiered system to where the first i don't know 100,000 minutes you stream or like you only make 5 cents a minute and then after 500,000 it goes up to 10 cents and then like it, it eventually gets up to the 15 but then after you pass the million mark it moves you back down to 5
0: Oh really? Oh, wow. What, why does it
2: yeah. reset? They they cha- they changed it all in like March of this year. And honestly they didn't give a real Reason uh, to me, it just seems like they were getting inundated by maybe too many movies that maybe shouldn't have been there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and because there is no gatekeeping there, they anybody that can meet the technical specs can put a movie up on Amazon. So, I, in in my opinion, and it's not necessarily a popular one, amongst independent filmmakers, but I kind of think that it just it got so flooded that they, they're like okay we're paying a little too much for this.
0: So did you have to put yeah. down money initially or like to get it on Amazon direct? I I'm not as familiar with
2: how that whole thing worked. Oh yeah, yeah, um it's actually really simple. Um, the you just you you take your movie, you have a, you know, a compressed version of it, you upload it straight into their system. The only thing you have to pay for is closed captioning unless you do it yourself, put the closed captioning on it. Uh, uh, you're, you have to have a uh, one sheet of uh, uh, certain dimensions and you have those two things. You can put them up. I mean, and you can put anything up there now. Like it, could, it doesn't have to be a feature. It could be a short. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed or... that about uh, Amazon Prime that they've
2: changed it a little
1: bit where you could do like back in the day, it it have to be like a certain amount of minutes, and you know it had to be yeah. a feature film. And now, now they're allowing shorts, YouTube videos. I you mean, know, almost anything. Yep. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
0: Well, well yeah. can we can we specifically about the campus because I also like yeah. watched it recently, and I, it's just like on my mind, and I want to hear everything you can possibly tell us about it.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so I had taken, I had taken a break, uh, from horror. Um, like pretty much it wasn't by choice. I, you know, I was working for a company and they were making, uh, uh, actually religious films and family comedies, uh, talking dog movies. And so I, so I did like 10 minutes. and, uh, I got a little burned out and I went to Vegas. I lived there for a year, uh, did a, a couple of reality shows and I was like, Oh my God, I got to get back and start making movies. And I had uh, went home to visit with my mother, and while I was there, I kind of, like, kind of decompressed and wrote the campus. It uh, the office where the company that I started, um, it's here in uh, Burbank, and it's just this awesome location. I mean, the campus was shot 100%, well, almost 100% on that location. It was uh, two big, giant buildings, um, and it, it was uh, blocked off, so it would be good for a siege picture. So I just walked around the place and, like, you know, basically it was writing as I was just moving around, like, using every nook and cranny of that place. And it was really important to me to do, I, you know, I wanted to do something with a, a really strong female protagonist. So, you know, I, I came up with a story, and I, it was really neat to do, like, different horror subgenres within one piece. You know, so I was doing, you know, I did a zombie section, a body horror section, a, uh, like, straight, like, slasher home invasion section, and then moved into, you know, the devil stuff at the end.
0: And, and like, yeah, like, just all, yeah. No, you're right. You basically had every single horror genre with it. Oh, my God, that's so cool. And like thinking yeah. of that now.
2: <laughs> that was the uh, that was the yes, you did. and 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 I really and and and, and nobody will believe me now because the movie came out you know almost six months after it, but I had written the script and on the it was like maybe a week before we started shooting they started releasing trailers for Happy Death Day.
0: Happy and, Death Day,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so funny because Rachel even kind of like like loosely resembles the lead in there. They were both blonde. They both had similar hairstyles. I was like, oh, shit.
1: <laughs> but, you know,
2: whatever. I, you know, I just went ahead. I mean, it's a totally different movie, but it did have that, you know, like Groundhog Day conceit of the person, you know, looping. Right. But
0: thankfully, but... it's so different than each, like you said, the loop each loop is yeah. like, I when I first read the description of your movie, yes, happy death day did come to mind unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> yeah. but
0: when I watched it there's nothing that resembles it to me as far as the oh, like content wise, you know, which yeah. is great.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I like that happy death day don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's totally it's totally different. Ours was a little more a little more serious, a little more deliberate definitely in its pacing. I I was also like heavily I started out heavily influenced uh, with J- John Carpenter. So th- that's why we chose to shoot anamorphic. I was using a lot of uh, static frames. And, you know, the score, of course, is very Carpenter. But as we as I actually started working with the DP and coming up with the look of it, um, we were influenced a little more heavily by, like, Italian horror, like uh, uh, Suspiria. So, like, the color palette, um, you know, the haze a lot of the camera, it moves some, but not a lot.
1: Uh, well, Sorry. yeah, no, that's, uh, and I love, I love Carpenter and I, uh, yeah I, I agree. That it definitely has a Carpenter feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, the campus is, I mean, I, I almost wouldn't even consider it like Groundhog Day or day or uh happy death day at all. Like, even though it had like elements of like, you know, uh, starting over or whatever, it felt right. more like a video game. You know, yeah. like that yeah, kind yeah. of
2: thing. Where you start Yep, and, and then you, you try different paths to get to the, you know, to get to your goal. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then
2: the, and then the, the you know, and the idea was that the character through each iteration would learn just a little bit more. She'd get like one more piece of the puzzle. Like to be able to figure out what to do to you know get out of you know the repeating thing. Definitely. Where did you shoot um, the
1: man. opening?
2: Scene? I'm sorry.
0: Where did you shoot the opening scene in the like? In, like where are oh, there um, sand dunes in California? Like where is?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it was in the Salton Sea. It was uh, it it was it was actually it was actually funny. Um, we were, originally it was written as a, uh, like a rainforest. And I had a location in mind in Malibu because I'd, I'd shot a movie called Monsters in the Woods and we had shot a section of that in Malibu. It's like, oh, that ravine, that'd be perfect. So I had a producer and the <laughs> the producer was like, yeah, you know that's cool, but you know what? I just I just did this short in the Salton Sea, and it's fucking awesome, and it's like a lot of production value, and you know. And, and I was thinking about it story wise, and I was like, well, I guess it's remote. Okay, all right, we could I can make it work. And so he tells us that, and, and I'd never been to Salton Sea from Los Angeles. It's about a six-hour drive, but he had told us it was like a three or four-hour drive. So I didn't get to scout the Ooh, location.
0: It's yeah, only, like, two we, hours. I think he's six. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So, and and because of the budget, you know, of course, we, we I, I couldn't bring everybody out to scout it. So, like, we were literally, we drove out there on the day. So, you know, oh. we were already starting, like, I don't know, three or four hours behind. Then we get out there. And by the time we get out there, the sun's going down really fast. We shot that whole, like, outside sequence in about know, 45 minutes.
1: Oh, wow.
2: wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it was originally a little more complex, but, you know, you have to do what you have
0: to do. Well, so when I, I, within the past year, went to the Salton Sea for the first time as well, because I do find it very fascinating the way the, you know, yeah. sea was created and all that stuff, whatever. But the town surrounds the Salton Sea with all those, like, trailers and everything. It, it was the creepiest city I have it ever really been It really is. To. And I was like, I literally totally. felt like I was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre or a post-apocalyptic kind of world. It's so creepy.
2: It really is. And and it's it's fairly easy for people to shoot down there. I'd really like to do something else down there and utilize the town at some point.
0: Me was, too, it was, dude. It was pretty cool. <laughs> you and I need to do this together because as soon as I left, yeah. assault- oh, my God, I need to make a horror film here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's super creepy. Yeah. But you know, the, you know one thing that happens a lot on especially on lower budget films is, you know, you you, you pretty much have to you know you work with what you have location wise or what you have access to, and one of the things that really separates you know a you know a movie made for you know even five hundred thousand as opposed to something made for fifty or a hundred, you know, it's the production design, it's the locations, and I mean, it, they just that uh, that compromise with, you know, using a location that you don't necessarily want to use. I mean, you know, it it shows on screen.
1: Mm. Mm,
2: So I was happy with that, with the the desert location. Like in the campus, you know, I wrote for those locations. So, like, it was cool. But, you know, I've had movies where, you know, like I've had to shoot in, you know, apartments that were too small, you know, didn't have a real production designer you know just uh, it, it, it's you know I mean, and your regular viewer won't be able to like point it out and say this is why it's cheap but it's just something feels wrong that's mm-hmm. usually what it is
0: totally that and like lighting and sound which stuff sound like sound
2: <laughs> definitely sound yeah
0: you know which is like a huge aspect of the film and it's hard to get right when you're doing it on a low budget
2: it really is yeah because I mean, a, a, a good professional sound guy is you know, they're they're expensive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're always like, oh, you know, you can make it work on your own. You never get. It. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, my my very first movie was uh, uh, Rise of the Undead. Um, we shot it in New Orleans back in 2005, something like that. And our sound guy was like, it, he was recording this like little like DAT recorder with like a, with, i mean this this microphone was probably 50 bucks <laughs> like if and the, the movie's out there like you can find it it's I mean, it's, it's awful but the the sound Aww. on it was just it is you know what it was one of those things i i graduated college I, uh, I was working as an assistant editor um at a video production company they did lawyer commercials and stuff like that and uh this guy would sync like something like $20,000 a year into doing like different reality show pilots, never had one picked up. I don't even think he had I I don't even think he wanted to have it picked up. He just liked like playing producer. Like, I think it was just like, I don't know. It was like a hobby. Anyway, um, th- that year, the Panasonic dvx 100 came out, which was the first prosumer, uh, digital video camera to be able to shoot at 24 frames a second. So when that came out, I was like, and he had one at the office and I was like, man, I could shoot a movie on that. We could do a whole movie in like for like $10,000. And he was like, you can't shoot a movie for $10,000. I'm like, I can't shoot a movie. We can do it. And he was like, okay, do it. And then, you know, so, but he didn't give me $10,000. He gave me like, I think it was like $4,000 and, uh, and use of the camera and equipment at the place. So we went out and shot it and, I had never written anything, so, like, I had, like, two weeks. We wrote a script, you know, and just went out with f- full of hubris, just thinking, hey, we can do this, and made the movie. And we did sell it, but then, like, I don't know. And when you when you do your first movie, it doesn't matter how good it is or bad it is. You think it's awesome. So it, it <laughs> took me probably about a, <laughs> it took me probably about a year to see it for what it was. But, and I was like, why is this so bad? Why is this so bad? You know, like we worked so hard. And then, and I really, really, the main, you know, I could blame it on sound or production or whatever, but it was really, I, I didn't, hey, I wasn't a writer at the time. I didn't take the writing seriously. I hadn't really studied writing in school. It was just after that that then I started getting into the writing aspect of it. And now I kind of yeah. consider myself more of a writer first.
1: And did you take that- uh, writing classes
2: or anything? Yeah, I did. Like, I had I had already graduated. I had my BA, but I, st- I went back and took the screenwriting course there. I, I went to the University of New Orleans. They have a really good film program, or used to have a really good film program. And I read every single screenwriting book I could get my hands on. And really the main thing, though, was reading, you know, real produced scripts. You know, mm-hmm. like, once once I started doing that, and I, I was reading, like, one a day. I did this for several years. And it, I I think that was probably the, where I learned the most from.
0: I saw online that it said that you were from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is that true?
2: Um. Yeah, I'm originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and then I went to college and uh, lived in Louisiana, New Orleans, for about 10 years.
0: And, and then you moved to in LA now?
2: Yeah, I moved to uh, Los Angeles I, right after Katrina.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. My grandfather is from Valparaiso, Indiana, and I love oh, yeah. Indiana and all the people that I've ever met who come from the Midwest. And I can yeah. already tell that you're a good soul, and I'm sure it's because of your Indiana roots.
2: <laughs> so, you know, what, what I always say about Indiana is it's a great place to grow up until you're about 18 and then if yeah. you're between like 18 and 21 there is nothing there for you. You can't go Aww. to the bars yet. There's not there's not many all-age clubs. There's, you know, there you know, it's it's not a small town, but it's not like big enough that there's like a film scene or there's a music scene actually there was all right, but uh there wasn't a lot to do. <laughs> and then have uh, you I, considered... and I <laughs> what was
0: that? I was going to say have you considered filming anything in Indiana, as far as, because, like, once you go to, like, if you went to Fort Wayne, people would be like, you're making a movie, oh, you can use my restaurant. I know, routine.
2: I, I totally, I, I have, I just, uh, honestly, I just haven't had the opportunity. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, usually the way things work is, you know, like, a, you'll have a script, like, I have, I actually have about, I have probably 13, like, unfilmed scripts, like, in my back pocket, so, you know, like I'm constantly, you know, have these ready to go whenever I'm in a meeting or I go to AFM or whatever. And what will happen is, like, you'll meet a producer somewhere or a financier that you're totally, like, you're not going there to meet them. You just you just happen to meet them somewhere. And you're, you're taught or you're working for them or whatever. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, do you have, or you're, you're a writer? Do you have a script? Yeah, I have this thing. And then, you know, a month later you're shooting that thing. And usually, you're shooting it, you know, you know where they want you to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Um. Yeah. So I want to I want to go back to like your your location stuff because I want to know like you say sometimes you write for certain locations, but like, um, do you do that a lot? Do you or do you mainly just do? Like you write something out in your head and you try to look for it.
2: You know it just it's it, it totally depends. Um, I've had a couple of opportunities come up uh, like where they wanted a specific like type of movie or a specific type of horror movie. Uh, for example, uh, my first horror movie in l a was called Edges of Darkness, and it was a, a zombie movie and at the at that time, I had no interest in doing another zombie movie. I, my first one was kind of a zombie movie, and I just felt like I, I, like I didn't want to go back to it. But anyway, I had, uh, I was working for a producer who was shooting this comedy documentary, and we got to talking. He's like, oh, you're a writer? I was like, yeah, I'm a writer. Um, do, do you have any uh, horror stuff? And I said, yeah, I had a lot of horror stuff. He's like, do you have a zombie movie? I was like, oh, not really. Um, I was like, I could write one. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do a zombie movie, and I have this uh, this uh, warehouse where I have this standing apartment set. So we got to write it and got to use that as much as we can. So I was like, all right, let's check out the set. So I go down there, and it's this you know it was a a pretty big warehouse, but the set was fairly small. It was like I'm not good with square feet, but it's like like a like a standard, like, two-bedroom, like, apartment, you know, set, movable walls and all that. So I was like, oh, cool. So I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, about how are you going to set an entire zombie movie and, you know, use this apartment? So we came up with the, or I came up with the idea of using uh, uh, three different stories all taking place during a zombie apocalypse, but all the stories were, like, different types of horror movies within it. So, like, zom- the zombies are, like, background to like this little vampire story, a killer computer story, and a uh, antichrist story, and oh my so God. They, yeah, and it was you it was a
0: subgenres in your film. <laughs> I know,
2: yeah. I'd actually, I and uh, put that together just yeah. now. That's twice, yeah. <laughs> and also, it was originally supposed to be anthology. Like they they weren't gonna really the stories weren't gonna come into each other. And uh, the producer decided, I don't know where he heard it, but, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks before he we started shooting, he was like, anthology is just out right now. We can't do it about it. you got you to gotta make them all bleed together. So, like, like with a week to shoot or two weeks to shoot, had to, you know, rewrite it so the stories, like, intermingled, and the characters came together and affected each other. <laughs> kind of like, uh, like Pulp fictiony kind of.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Sure.
2: And then, and originally also because it was an anthology, um, I had a roommate, and my roommate wrote the middle section, and he was going to direct it. And he spent—I uh, think we shot a day with him before the producer removed him. And then I did everything. Oh wow!
1: Um, and that film is on available is available on Amazon Prime. Edges of Darkness. So yeah, anybody
2: wants yeah, to I see that so. crazy film. Yeah, yeah. We shot. it was, it was huh? back in like 2008, I think. And uh, we shot that on uh, uh, one of the HDV cameras. It was like a mix between HD and DV, like the step up before you went to HD. But uh, it, 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 it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. It's a it's another, it, you know, a lot of low-budget movies, it's, or micro-budget movies, it's like you're I, – I, I always describe it like uh, doing, like, pool on a shot clock. You know, it's like – so, like, say you're playing pool, but you don't really have time to line up your shots. You just got to take the shot, take the shot, take the shot, take the shot. That's that's kind of how, like, you know, five-day, six-day shoots are. You just yeah. – you don't you don't have much time. You just got to do it. Just do it. Just do it.
0: Your eyes and best. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it turns out really well. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: It's interesting though, because so in certain horror movies, the location can be a main character in itself. So obviously, like Kubrick and the Hotel, like that's the character in itself. Or if you know the idea of a cabin in the woods, etc. So it's interesting oh, yeah. that. But the the campus definitely felt way more um, character driven, which is amazing, especially with all the flashbacks and backstory, um, And it yeah. became very much more about a person, um, which I can connect to way more than I can a hotel. Right.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I one thing that really, I, when I first started writing, and like started getting like more into writing, I was like, I was really plot driven. Like, you know, I think I have this really cool idea. And you know, and it's this story, and it's all set against a zombie apocalypse, you know, or it's, or it's, uh, it's a kidnapping story about a middle-aged guy that falls in love with his teenage victim, you know, like, uh, you know, I had just, but you know, but I, I started from there instead of the characters or a theme, but as I've gotten older, and you know, I don't know if it's more experienced or just older, but I, like now I tend to like I, sh- I start with like what do I have to say right now. You know, like for for me the campus was a lot about uh reconciling with, you know, a parent, you know, and I had I had recently I had right, bef- right before I started writing that, I lost my mother. And so and I had you know, we had some unresolved stuff, so a lot of that is in there. And uh Monsters in the Woods was like that was very that was a very personal story, really. I mean it, you would you couldn't tell it from watching the movie, but it started at a very personal place.
0: I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> but what, I, I got my 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 point though is that just you know I think once I started coming from a more emotional, more character-driven space that you know I think my the writing improved. You know, oh, in okay. the movies.
1: Yeah. Um. I, I there was a uh, there was a quote from like Quentin Tarantino about how. Um, I don't know if you if you ever watch any of his interviews or anything. But he talks about I have, how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But like there was, he talks about in acting, um, and and he uses it as writing too. Is like you have to, uh, basically you have to be embarrassed by what you're doing, you know, or yeah, whatever.
2: yes. Like yeah, I I actually know yeah. that Yeah. See
1: you, you know, yeah. they have to be able to see that uh, see something inside you and say. Oh my God! I can't believe you said that. Or I can't believe you talked about that. You know, um, Jason.
2: You know, like yeah, oh my gosh. Totally. I remember that. I remember that quote. I was actually. I was a huge. I mean, well, I am still. I'm a huge uh, Tarantino buff. I, it, it's kind of a cliche thing for a filmmaker. Like, oh, I love Tarantino. But I. That was. I. I was uh, graduating high school the year. Uh, Reservoir Dogs came out, and that movie just like. Like, that was the first time I really, like, I understood what directors do, you know. And he was such a, you know, like a rock star, like, you know, personality. Like, and and he's sitting there talking about other directors. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, Walter Hill. And, you know, because he's talking about Southern Comfort and uh, he's talking about the Long Riders and all these movies and how Walter Hill directed all these movies. I'd seen them all. But, like, I didn't, you know, I never put it together that one person had made all these movies. Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden I was like, right. oh. just, like, light bulb. You know?
0: You're like, I <laughs> want to do that. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Totally.
0: Well, yeah. I have to, so, well, Jason, I have to say, I have to ask you something. Cause sure. I feel like I can do this because I like the movie yeah, a lot, and I, I really, I you've got such a cool story just all your, I don't know how you got into filmmaking, whatever, but. In the campus, yeah. there's one thing that drives me nuts, is mm. that the the child version of Rachel doesn't have mm-hmm. blue eyes.
2: <laughs> yes, that's and true.
0: So her eyes are like, obviously, Rachel's like eyes are gorgeous, and they're like so I know, prominent. they're like
2: crystal blue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> your film has this little dialogue, right? We're just reading a lot in her face. And then you go to the flashbacks. And she doesn't have
2: blue eyes. <laughs> I know it. It actually it it actually kind of killed me. It was so it it was it was brought up, and we did talk about uh, colored contacts for her, and her mother was very protective of her, so we mm-hmm. we couldn't use them. And I actually tried to do uh like you know the a digital adjustment on it, and it it just it didn't it it looked crazy, so I just kind of <laughs> like mm, all right. <laughs> But you know, was with you well, cast I mean, I. Rachel,
0: please, or the. What's that? Who did you cast first?
2: Oh, uh, Rachel, of course. I honest mean, okay. all right. So I'm gonna be totally honest. Um, the flashbacks were not in the original script at all with the kids. Like, oh. They were completely not there. Like it, it actually wasn't until um, like I, I'm trying to remember, was it? after because I, I don't think I'd actually cut it yet because we shot no no because no, we brought the girls in production so it must have been a few weeks before production like I had, I had added that and so and it just so happened that one of the guys that worked at the office like his kids were were those two kids and I thought she looked enough like mm-hmm. her and then I was yeah, like we yeah. just need to do contacts but yeah so it, it all well, it was one of those things where it all happened so fast that it was you know, it's kinda of like take what you get.
0: You're right though, like the little girl totally looks like her. It's just the blue eyes bother but, me, the, but the blue I eyes. Because,
2: Yeah.
0: I appreciate the fact that you tried to make a child wear colored contacts against their will, so now I will forgive you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't notice or it was just like, eh, fuck it. I mean, well, I, I guess I was. I guess I was kind of like, "fuck it" at a certain point, but I, I thought she would do it. And and our effects guy was actually, I think he kind of scared her out of it because he he was he was sitting there telling uh, stories about how you know they were doing special effects contacts on this person and the, the contacts like fucked up their eyes, and I, I think he scared. <laughs> Well, because if you do, if you, it's it's not that colored contacts are not special effects contacts first off, which is what I told him <laughs> later. So I was like, why the fuck are you even telling him that story? But um, because like when you're using like the monster contacts or something like that, but they for movies, they're they're specially fitted. And if if I don't know, I guess if the they're sized wrong or something like it can it can cause damage. Oh wow, but, It's but just that's
1: funny. That's like crazy that you tell them that.
2: Yeah, and I was like, because we're, we weren't even talking about that. We were just talking about getting some like Accuvue colored contacts. Right. They wouldn't even they they wouldn't even have to have been hard. Yeah, I think you can get the soft ones.
0: Well, I will say I'm a huge uh, Harry Potter fan as well. <laughs> and if Daniel Rad like if Daniel Radcliffe can't do it, he seems a little bit older than than your girl right. did. So I'll slide.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was there was there a thing about Harry Potter, or was, uh, Daniel Radcliffe not um, doing, uh, the, you know, changing his eye color? Oh, yeah, yeah. So,
0: I mean, it's just kind of in the books A really, really important part is that Harry resembles his mom because he has her beautiful green eyes. And it's like a really, really. Oh, yeah. We talked about it a lot, right? And so yeah. they tried, Daniel tried to wear, because he has blue eyes pretty blue eyes whatever but he tried to wear green contacts and eventually was just like it's just too uncomfortable I can't act properly so they just were like yeah it's fine which bothers me again because I'm like this is a he- you don't look anything like your mom now like that's supposed to right. be really important but I mean well, I no, you're right that at all.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're, you're you couldn't cast
1: a woman with blue eyes and then you know for the mom and then right. you know just change it's it for done. the movie
0: Yeah, the mom's dead, so you kind of see her only in flashbacks. And I believe the actress has brown eyes as well, who's his mom, so they're all over the place,
2: so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm never going to look at that the same.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm sorry I ruined the Harry Potter universe for you.
2: (laughs) But, you know, you actually bring up a good point, though, about details. And, And, again, it's another thing that really separates a, you know, a micro-budget film from, you know, even a basic, like, you know, million-dollar movie is, you know, on a million-dollar movie, you know, you you got, you know, at, at least 25 days, usually. So, you know, and on a micro-budget, they're shooting them anywhere from, god, man, I've, I've shot movies in as little as a day, you know, all the way, you know, to like six days. to I think the Campus was probably my longest shoot at 20. But um, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um,
0: I'm, I'm giving you a hard when time. You have that, I was just giving when you have that.
2: Yeah. I
0: said I was just giving you a hard time, you know, because whatever. But obviously, like, even huge budget films, like what you were saying, like Harry Potter, can still make mistakes like that. So it kind of proves that oh, we are yeah. just human filmmakers doing what we can, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and like, uh, I did a movie called uh, 40 to Life. It was a uh, it was a religious movie about a uh, this like jerk lawyer that dies and goes to heaven. basically on trial for his soul, and uh, I remember a a Leon, uh, the guy from uh, he was in Five Heartbeats and uh, shit. I don't know, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Anyway, um, he uh, we were we had we it was a six day shoot and it was about a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, and uh, but we, so, you know, we scheduled everything out and we had these flashbacks and he had to change his look in the flashbacks or he was supposed to anyway. So he was wearing a, he had like a thin goatee for most everything that was taking place in the present and he was supposed to shave in the past. Well, you know, on a five day shoot, the schedule got kind of messed up and we had to move one of the flashbacks to, you know, it was like somewhere in the middle. So like there was no way to have him shaved. And you know, so, like for the flashbacks he's, he just has the goatee, his look never changes, and he was irate about it, you know, because he was like, you know this is like this is the thing these it doesn't seem like a big deal, but this really matters and and he's absolutely right, and I, you know I you know there was nothing I like I could do. we had to shoot the movie, we had to shoot the scene. It was either we have the scene and it's not right, not quite right, or you don't shoot the scene at all, and those are the kind of decisions you have to make on, you know, a movie, you know, that small, you know, so you got to just either either shit and dive in or, you, you know, walk away.
0: Yeah, or and, you don't make it.
2: Yeah, but the point of um, those is that those details do matter.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just want to let you guys know we're about to, to end. It's about four minutes until oh, cool. the show uh, closes. But um, I wanted to thank you so much, Jason, for coming on. Uh you're awesome. Yeah. So, thank you. Uh this is a great show and I think very informative. And uh oh. is um and thank you, Megan. Jason? Oh,
0: thank um, you. Thank <laughs> you.
1: <laughs>
0: I was going to say, is there anything um Jason that you wanted to like that you want to promote that we should look out for in the future or like any social media that you want to just, you know, plug?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can check out uh the campus. It's uh it's on Facebook, Campus Movie uh Facebook.com backslash campus movie. Um, Monsters in the Woods is on there as well. Um, I'm getting ready to do a horror movie called Kill Mama, but I'm still working on casting. I can't talk about that right now, but it's. I think that's going to be cool. And then my company is doing an animated series right now called Hollywood that uh, we just cast Cornyn Nimick and uh, David Faustino and Tone Lowe nice. and Harlem Williams and a few more. And uh, that should be out on Comedy Central in the next year.
0: Wow,
1: that's amazing! Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. My well, my company yeah. is Gas Money Pictures.
1: Awesome. Do you have a website and what's your uh, social media like links?
2: Um, Gas Money Pictures, uh, Twitter backslash Gas Money Pictures, um, Instagram at Gas Money Pictures or Gas Money Picks, one or the other. And then uh, my personal is always the Jay Horton,
0: very very prestigious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about the stuff that's coming up. Ne- you know, soon uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show at some point. Awesome, thank you. All right, and once again, thank you, Megan. Uh, this has been an awesome show, first first episode. So. We got that out. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but everything's going good.
0: Yeah, I thank you, Delahun. Yeah, despite our late start, I think it's, it was awesome. It's going to continue to be awesome, and we hope everybody continues to tune in, and we can just kind of pick the brains of, of great filmmakers who are, like, actually making content.
1: <laughs> um, next week, we have uh, Scott Tepperman and Lawrence Nelson coming on, so I'm looking forward to uh, having those guys both come on and, and chat with us as well. So uh, check check back about that. And uh, check out Frights of the Roundtable on Facebook. Uh, Frights R&D table at uh, uh, Twitter. And uh, I think Instagram is just Frights of the Roundtable. And if so, you want to check um, out
0: any of social media, it's Um, at Meg D. Smith, that's M-E-G-D-E-E Smith, S-M-I-T-H. Yeah, show me some love online.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right, and uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Jonathan Moody and uh, Jonathan A. Moody on uh, Facebook and uh, Jonathan A. Moody Film on Instagram. So thank you guys all, uh, and have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Bye.